the Kings lose a big game in Phoenix in the standings, 130-125, and it was a, a really good game, a tight game all the way down the stretch, and you know the Suns made a lot of clutch shots, KD, Booker, tough to defend, but what made you know this loss sting a little bit more was just down the stretch, two things. One, the way the refs impacted the end of this game was really disappointing, but then two, even despite the refs, the Kings still should have had a shot to tie the game in a one-possession game, and they just couldn't come up with the rebound on that Devin Booker miss. And Sabonis has to do better on that. Barnes has to do better on that. Just super disappointing to not even get a shot. So that combined with Sabonis not getting the foul call when Devin Booker just totally jumped into him, and it should have been an and-one opportunity to tie the game. It wasn't. We were still down one. And then Malik Monk trying to intentionally foul Devin Booker I think it was Booker, and then he like doesn't get the call, and then the refs realize, oh wait, they're trying to intentionally foul. So then they they call it really late. So like you can tell they're trying to swallow their whistle late in the game, and then they call that foul on on Monk before the ball has been inbounded. I mean that that type of stuff just happens every inbounds play. Plus they were swallowing their whistle down the stretch, and they still call that. So that gave them a free throw plus the ball. So Booker makes the free throw, then he makes you know the next free throw on the intentional foul. And so obviously if he made all, all free throws, it would have been a two-possession game, which is really, that really sucked because it just, that should not have been called. Or if you're going to call that, then you have to call it on the other end with Sabonis getting the end one, right? But even still, Devin Booker misses that free throw, didn't give ourselves a chance because Josh Okogie went and he got that rebound. And so that, that's what makes this game disappointing. I mean, it would have been disappointing to lose anyways, but it's what makes it frustrating, I would say. But I do think that the Kings showed that they are where they're supposed to be in the standings. You lose in a away game really close with some mistakes down the stretch that could have won us this game. But we were obviously right there against a team right next to us in the standings. And it just, this loss makes it hurt. Even more that we lost that last game to Phoenix because of the, the tiebreaker and just losing, you know, the game in the standings. But there's still another game between these two teams that will decide the tiebreaker. And that tiebreaker could be huge with the Kings being 30 and 23 and the Suns being 32 and 22 right now. Coming into this game, Fox hadn't scored 20 points in four straight games. But I said... He'll probably get up for a TNT game, and he did. He still didn't look like the the same Fox that we saw earlier in the season. He was super, I mean, not super. He was inefficient, 14 for 31. He still couldn't really hit his floaters the same way we saw him doing, but we needed every single one of his 40 points that he scored, and so it was nice to see that. It was nice to see him hit the three ball and get inside but he did have six turnovers which really hurt and I'll get to that later but it had a lot to do with when the Suns went small which is the exact same thing that happened in the last game but the Kings did a better job of at least figuring out how to play against the this small Suns team or the small lineup that the Suns put out there but going back to the beginning of the game that first quarter, super high scoring, 39 to 38 Kings advantage in that first quarter. And the Suns immediately 
their big three was was knocking down shots. KD, Beal, Booker, like at the very start, they were all making things happen. Then Beal, five minutes in, goes out with, I believe it was a hamstring injury. He's got all sorts of injuries. It's kind of been a lot of his career is injuries. And so the Suns were without Beal. But they had Eric Gordon step up, especially in the first half, who had 20 points in the first half. But both teams just trading blows in that first quarter. The Suns not missing, but also just not enough resistance from the Kings. When KD is knocking down a shot or when he draws attention and then you know you have to rotate and you maybe allow uh, an, an open look at times, like I can understand that. But in that first quarter, there were just some straight line drives that were just unacceptable. And it was, it was Grayson Allen. Just all game, straight to the rim, no resistance. I think the Kings just had some PTSD from the last game where he couldn't miss from deep. So they were just not even thinking about the drive. But Grayson Allen continuously attacking the rim. And so those are the ones that are killer because you have to devote so much attention to Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal. But then Grayson Allen's beating you off the dribble one-on-one. It's not like, oh, we're in rotation and we have to close out to him. So then he gets by. It's like, no, this was just straight one-on-one, no rotations, no space given to him or anything like that. You saw Kevin Herter got beat off the dribble. Davion Mitchell got beat off the dribble. And so those are the, the killer ones. Kevin Herter also just had an awful first quarter defensively. His decision-making off the ball defensively was pretty bad. But he picked it up throughout the rest of the game. And he hit two big threes in that first quarter. Fox also hit two threes. I still don't like some of the threes that he's taking. He took 12 threes in this game, hit five of them. Obviously, that's a solid, really solid percentage. But still, some of the some of the decisions on his shots I don't like. I think just because I know what he can do when he's getting inside, and so there's just no point for him to be taking any type of contested three. Because when we saw him pushing the pace, I mean, that was how the Kings got so much of their offense, was Fox pushing the pace, scoring inside. He got two early steals, and he got three on the game. One of them was big in the fourth quarter, and those generated so many good looks in transition. And then DeMontis Sabonis just dominating inside. I talked coming into this game about how Sabonis really just needed to dominate the Nurkic matchup for us to win, and he absolutely did that. Played Nurkic off the floor. Obviously, the Suns had to go small again. And then whenever Nurkic was off the floor, then Sabonis just had a a Drew Eubanks or a Royce O'Neal on him. But I thought what Sabonis especially did well in this game was boxing out Nurkic either getting the rebound or creating the rebound, allowing his teammates to get the rebound or batting the ball so that his teammates could get it and keeping it away from Nurkic. So keeping Nurkic off of the offensive glass, I thought that was huge because when Nurkic is down there trying to get those rebounds, if Sabonis can get that rebound, he can push it right back the other way and that's what exactly what he did. So he's beating Nurkic down the floor a lot of times or at least Nurkic isn't where he wants to be defensively as a big guy. And so that generated so much for the Kings offense. And Sabonis was just incredible in this one. Scoring the ball, he was super aggressive inside. 14 for 22. It's not often you see him taking 22 shots. And what made it especially good was him being able to knock down his free throws. 7 for 8 from the free throw line. That was huge. 
the Kings shot 75% from the free throw line, better than their average on the season. So I guess we'll take that. Fox was seven for 10. But back to Sabonis, 35 points, 18 rebounds, 12 assists. He had three blocks. I think all of them were in the first half. He had two blocks just right away in this one. Got a steal and only one turnover. He just did absolutely everything he could on both ends of the floor. He was a rim protector on one. He was rebounding, getting those defensive rebounds, and he was pushing the pace the other way and creating for everyone else. He had nine offensive rebounds and nine defensive rebounds. And the Kings were able to get all of that done offensively, even with Barnes and and Keegan being pretty quiet in the first half, Uh, especially Keegan, because I thought Barnes, he just wasn't getting looks. I thought there were times where he maybe could have been aggressive, especially when Bull Bull came in. I'm like, get the ball to Barnes against Bull Bull. But the Kings were able to get other guys like Monk switched on, or Bull Bull switched on to Monk, and so they could take advantage of Bull Bull that way. And so the Kings weren't really looking to get Harrison Barnes involved, but then he had a, a, a better second half when he got involved, and he hit some big shots. But it was more Keegan who got some looks and just wasn't able to knock him down. He had that nice drive to get the dunk early on, but he went one for four early in that first quarter. He's just been really struggling shooting the ball lately. He generated some nice looks for himself in the mid-range. There's one nice move against Eric Gordon. I think that was just right at the start of the second half, actually. But he made that move on Eric Gordon to rise up in the mid-range. And that's just a shot that you expect him to make. And he so he was just off. I thought in the, the first half, he got worse looks. And in the second half, he got better looks, or at least a few better looks. There definitely weren't a lot for him. But he just he just wasn't able to get it going. But Monk had it going off the bench. And he was the only guy that had it going off the bench. Trey Lyles was out due to an illness, which is obviously a big loss, especially if the Kings ever wanted to go small, which they did. But after Malik Monk and Trey Lyles and Sasha Vizenkov being out, grade three ankle sprain reevaluated in six weeks. I mean, that is so disappointing uh, with him finally finding his groove. Then he sprained his ankle. Then he comes back for one game, plays well, and then re-sprains his ankle in, in practice, and it's really bad this time. I mean, that just sucks, and it really takes away from the Kings bench, so the Kings are going to have to have guys step up, or Malik's just going to have to go nuclear every time he comes off the bench, and he was really good in this one. He went 9 for 16, 0 for 5 from 3, but he didn't need the 3. He had 22 points, 6 assists, but again, he had the 5 turnovers, just like Fox with the 6 turnovers, a lot of those against the small ball unit and just struggling against that to create. But the Kings were able to put up really good offensive numbers, and it was just mostly around Fox, Sabonis, and Monk all having pretty big scoring nights. Herter had 10, but he was he had 10, I think, maybe in the first quarter. No, I think in the second quarter he got up to 10. He didn't score in the second half. And he only played 24 minutes, obviously, because Malik Monk had it going but also because Kevin Herter's defense wasn't good in the first quarter. And so I'm guessing that's why Mike Brown kind of didn't play him a lot. But I did think after that first quarter, he got better and better as the game went on defensively, being able to get in the passing lanes and, and use his length to get deflections. And especially with the way the Kings were blitzing the Suns, that length is really helpful. You could see multiple times when both Herder and Keegan's length really impacted the passes that the Suns were trying to make when the Kings would blitz and then get into rotation. 
And Mike Brown always preaches high hands, high hands. And so when you have that length, that really helps because you, you can't let the Suns just easily just throw passes around the perimeter when you're in rotation like that. You have to make them not catch it cleanly. And a lot of times that can lead to turnovers. And a couple times it did. And the Kings defense as a whole really picked up after the first quarter. But at points, there were just times where it's like there's nothing you can really do, especially late in the, first, in the fourth quarter. At the start of the fourth quarter, though, I thought the Kings defense was pretty bad. But then late in the fourth quarter when it's just Kevin Durant and Devin Booker hitting tough shots or Kevin Durant just attracting so much attention and then kicking it out to, you know, Royce O'Neal for three. When no, Okay. Every play that Royce O'Neal made, I'm like, man. I want that guy on the Kings so badly. He cost the Suns three second-round picks. And I'm like, mm, give give him four. I want Royce O'Neal on my team. Like, sure, he had a couple bad misses from three, but I don't really care. Like, the way he hounded Malik Monk on that one play in the second quarter to totally deny Monk the ball, it, it forced a lot of time off the shot clock, and it forced the ball into Fox's hands. Len comes and sets the screen, and then Fox tries to throw him a pocket pass at the three-point line. Horrible decision. There were just some bad decisions from Fox, and I've been talking about it a lot. His decision-making with the ball has just been really bad lately. That was one of them, but that was all created by Royce O'Neal denying Monk the ball. I mean, you look at Royce O'Neal's stat line, nine points, four steals, one block, five assists, four rebounds, zero turnovers. He was a team-high plus 13 for the Suns. Why did we not go and get him? It's like, of course we lose in large part due to Royce O'Neal coming out and giving the Suns 30 great minutes. It just really hurt. We saw Alex Len in the first half come in. No JaVale McGee obviously coming in. And then because we have no Trey Lyles, so we didn't go small right away. Eventually we did actually match the Suns going small, Put had Keegan or Barnes at the five I mean, it doesn't really matter. There, there was really no five on either team. So however you want to look at it, but you had Len coming in and he immediately, he set a really good screen where he just held the screen for a really long time for Fox and Fox was able to work his way patiently into the paint and then I think get a floater to go. And I think that play right there illustrates how Alex Len is better than JaVale McGee for Fox because Fox in the pick and roll, he's looking to score. He's looking to score first, and Alex Len is going to set the screen to be able to create for a score. I think JaVale McGee, when setting those screens, is a lot better for Malik Monk because Malik, when he's running the pick and roll, he's looking to pass every time. And so he wants to lob it up to JaVale. JaVale's going to get out of that screen and go right to the rim. And so I think that's an interesting dynamic where you have one big who's probably better for one guy and one big who's better for the other. But obviously that's not the only aspect that you look at when choosing who the backup big is. And so I think when you look at the defensive end, what Len was able to do, the Kings start blitzing Kevin Durant in that second quarter. So they're trying to make Nurkic or Royce O'Neal, whoever sets the screen, they're trying to make them the playmaker in the center of the floor. And it worked really well for the Kings. They were able to, to force a turnover. Malik Monk picked a, picked him off. Or maybe it was Fox. I don't know. It says Malik only has one steal. But I'm remembering two. So I don't know how that's a thing. 
so maybe it was Fox who picked that off. I was pretty sure it was Monk, because then he also had a, a steal on the perimeter. But either way, that's not the point. Someone got a steal. They also just, they had really good rotations, with Len being at the center to deny whoever was at the rim. And so I thought that that worked really well. And the Kings rotations were just really good in that second quarter. You had Malik Monk skying for the block out on the perimeter. And then he gets the steal uh, on the perimeter as well. And he just starts dancing. He's just dancing in like a two-on-two. Like I've never seen a guy go ISO in on a fast break before. That was wild to see. And he just goes and lays it up. And he was also dancing against Bull Bull. Hits a midi. He was just feeling himself. His offensive game has just expanded this season because of his ability to hit the mid-ranger. And that sparked a big Kings run to be able to go up 11. And when the Kings were up like 8 or 11, there was a lot of points where their defense was holding the Suns. But their offense then just, once they got up that big, they just couldn't take advantage. Fox made a few plays where he just couldn't finish the possession. He couldn't either draw the foul, which I think he wanted on a few, or just he just wasn't making the right decisions offensively. And you saw other guys, I think Monk had a moment where he just didn't execute offensively. And the, the offense just didn't execute when the Kings had a chance to extend that lead. And you you just have to take advantage of those moments. And the Kings weren't able to at the end of the second quarter. They didn't end the quarter strong. And the Suns went on, I believe, a 12-4 run to end the quarter and to cut it to three points. I always knew that run was coming because you're not going to keep the Suns offense quiet forever, especially when you're playing the way you are defensively, where you're blitzing and then in rotation the whole time. Like you're just not going to be able to get a stop every single time. And the Suns were always going to go on a run. But it was just how big of a lead do we have when that run starts? And are we shooting ourselves in the foot or defensively by making poor decisions offensively? And that's exactly what happened at the end of the quarter where you're allowing them to then get in transition but it was still a three-point lead so all in all a really good first half even though you know it, it wasn't perfect because if it was perfect we would have ended the quarter strong there but still a really good half and they started the third quarter really really strong Harrison Barnes hitting a three which was really good to see and then just the Kings continuously pushing the pace Fox and Sabonis Fox and Sabonis pushing the pace uh, Keegan was struggling with foul trouble. He picked up his fourth foul there in the third quarter, near the beginning of the third quarter. We also tried Kessler Edwards out there because of foul trouble for Keegan in the first half. And then Kessler just came out, played two minutes, picked up two fouls against Kevin Durant. I mean, uh, it was just uh, those fouls, you know, they were they were tough. It's like, what are you supposed to do? But the Kings got that lead up to... 11 and then of course the Suns respond with their own run like it's a game of runs of course the Suns with the the scoring that they have on their roster you're not going to keep them quiet forever just with the the two individual players get Beal out of here just Duran and Booker alone you're not going to keep them quiet and Booker was having a really uh, tough game in the first half but he picked it up late in the third and you had Grayson Allen just chucking up a ball at the end of the shot clock, and that goes in. That's just tough. And then you had Davion picking up a foul by pulling the chair. Like, where was the foul? I got so pissed at that call. That was the definition of a phantom foul right there. 
that was that was tough, obviously. And the Suns, they went small there at the end of the third quarter. And initially, Sabonis was still in the game when that happened. And the Kings just made the same mistake that they made in the last game, where they're just trying, the whole possession is them trying to get it to him in the post. And they're not running any other plays around it. They're not having any other movement. It's just one guy dribbling on the wing, trying to get it into him. So for a few possessions, that just totally stalled the offense. Malik Monk made a great play to like individually score and kind of save a possession, but still it didn't look great. And then Sabonis came out. And that's when the offense just completely fell apart at the end of the third quarter because Fox and Monk just couldn't figure out how to score against that small ball lineup. They just fell into isolation between those two guys. And it was hopefully they hit a shot. And it was a lot of Fox ISO to finish the third, which obviously not great. Fox just hasn't been a good ISO player recently and just not as much this season, to be honest, as he was last season. And so a lot of turnovers, just like we saw last time we played against the Suns. Just not getting inside, and even when they would get inside, they were not able to find the open shooter. And then you have Devin Booker on the other end, uh, scoring a few. Okogi hit a, a corner three. After he missed three straight layups, there was a very ugly portion of this game where neither team could score. And you had, like, maybe that was when Davion airballed the three. Davion also missed two free throws. He also hit a three. Did his best to, to make life difficult for Booker. He also had seven Keon Ellis minutes. Again, I just want this guy to get more minutes. Keon came in, defended Booker, and I thought he did a really good job. I just thought he was really solid in the seven minutes he played, and I want to see more Keon minutes, less Davion minutes. There's a point where the Kings went really small. I think they had, was it Fox, Monk, Davion? I know they had all three of those guys, and then maybe even Keon out there as well. But either way, those four guards, they had three of them out there a lot. But I just, I want to see, you had Davion getting 17 minutes and you had Keon getting seven minutes. And I would just, I just want that to flip-flop. Because when the Kings' off or defense was horrible in the first half, uh, Keon Ellis comes in, immediately the defense is better. He's just, he's a great defender. And Devin Booker tried to exploit the weight advantage against Keon because Keon's a pretty light guy. But Keon, was, he was holding his own. So I just want him getting more than seven minutes. But the Suns were able to, to take a two-point lead going into the fourth. And then the start of the fourth was just a disaster where the decision-making defensively was awful. Again, you're still trying to blitz KD. But then they left Kevin after Kevin Durant got the ball out of his hands. Then in rotation, they somehow left Kevin Durant, which like that just can't happen ever. And then there are a few other bad plays, one where Royce O'Neal catches it. There's three guys on the same side of the floor for the Suns and two Kings defenders. They should be able to defend that better than they did. And it's probably just by stunting at Royce O'Neal and then trying to run Eric Gordon off the three-point line, make him go inside. Grayson Allen was in the corner. But instead, I can't remember who it was, but they just committed to Royce O'Neal and then Eric Gordon's wide open. And then you had Royce O'Neal coming around a screen and Harrison Barnes just completely backs off and gives him a wide open three. So they, they allowed three straight wide open threes. And at that point, you're thinking, okay, maybe this is about to, to get out of hand. You had Monk who kept getting switched onto to KD. And then they would obviously run a body at them, but then the rotations just weren't as good. 
and they just couldn't get a stop. They went zone for a little bit, not not very long. I think it I think it worked in the in the short time they did it. And then, you know, offensively the Kings weren't weren't scoring with the Suns at all. And I thought there was a, a good example of when I'm talking about Fox's playmaking has not been great where you could see he drove into the paint and I thought the reason that he that he drove the way he did was to open up the shooter on the wing behind him like I thought he intentionally did it but then he just didn't pass it to whoever that shooter was on the wing and instead he skips a pass to the other wing when he had a wide open shooter there and just like the playmaking is just not there for him and that was not the only time he did that in this game where he couldn't find the shooter on the wing but then he was the one that started the the king's run and he did it by getting out in transition he drew the the flagrant foul and then of course misses both free throws great but at least he you know we get the ball back so then he was able to draw another foul hit those two free throws and then the king started getting stops and some of it like katie missed a pretty open three but the defense was better other than that one possession and then and Sabonis came back in, which helped big time. Harrison Barnes hit a big mid-range shot against Kevin Durant, and that's just exactly what we need him to do. Be aggressive when he gets the opportunity. I just don't think he got the opportunity very much in this game. And honestly, I thought he did a pretty good job of matching up against Kevin Durant one-on-one. And even late when he got switched onto Devin Booker, he forced him into a, a tough shot, like a long midi, but it's the shot Devin Booker wanted, so... He drains it, of course. But I thought HB did a solid job defensively on KD. And then what the Kings started doing is instead of just throwing the ball to the wing, having Sabonis post up, and just trying to get it into him the entire time, they actually ran a a play where Sabonis is setting a screen for Malik Monk. Malik comes, gets the ball, tries to get it back into Sabonis. And that was how they got him the ball. And then he scores in the post. And then they had other times where they were just not directly trying to get it to him in the post, but then would find him later on in the possession, and then he would be able to work within space. And if the double comes, then he can kick out. If not, then he can post. But I just hate when the Kings' entire offense is just so stagnant and then trying to get it to him in the post. Get it to him in space within the offense, and then he can either go to the post from there or just create from the middle of the floor. It makes the offense so much more fluid. But Booker and KD, they just they showed up down the stretch. They they hit tough shots. The Kings were, you know, it was kind of down one, up one, down one, up one. And then you had two turnovers from Fox and Monk. And the Suns just kept hitting. So then the Suns go up three. The Kings did respond to that though, where Fox got the steal and then came back and, and hit the floater. And that that was huge. That kept the Kings in the game. And then you have Royce O'Neal hitting that three, which sucked. Fox answered, and the Kings were able to keep it a one-possession game that entire time. They gave themselves a chance. They kept fighting, finding Sabonis inside. And like I said earlier, probably should have gotten the and one, but if not, then you can't give the off-ball foul on the other end. And it was just a, an unfortunate way to end it. This is one of those games where... Despite the loss, it's not one of those the sky is falling losses. It's just one that sucks because we, you know, couldn't win it down the stretch. Obviously being away from home. And this team just hasn't been as good in, in clutch time. 
as they were last season. And it's Fox just hasn't been as good as he was last season in the clutch and he turning the ball over more. And turnovers just keep plaguing the Kings down the stretch with Monk and Fox and just other stupid plays. But just not really being able to get anyone else involved in the clutch. You know, Keegan's never taking any shots. Herter wasn't even out there. But Barnes not really taking many shots. It's just Munker Fox taking the shots or dishing it to Sabonis inside. And so it's all on those two guys' decision-making. And against the Suns, who just kept scoring every time down, they had to be perfect. And they just they weren't perfect. And now the Kings play their last game before the All-Star break. And it is a back-to-back in Denver. After just beating Denver at home, when Denver was on the second night of a back-to-back, and they crushed them, now the Kings have to go into Denver on the second night of a back-to-back, which is going to be super tough, which is why which is why this loss hurts, but it's more why you look back and that Detroit loss hurts, because now we could go into the All-Star break losing five out of our last six instead of four out of our last six where you're losing against all really good teams. It's just why you can't lose to the Pistons at home in the Western Conference. They made it tougher on themselves, so now you got to go in and have a statement game in this one. The Kings have won both games against Denver this season. I believe Denver was on the second night of back-to-back in Sacramento on both of them. In that last game, Sabonis was able to outplay Jokic, which was huge, obviously. But there was no KCP, there was no uh, Michael Porter Jr., and so we'll see who plays, obviously, for the Nuggets in this one. We'll also see if, you know, Trey Lyles plays. You have Jamal Murray and Contavious Caldwell-Pope, both uh, game-time decisions is what we have on ESPN. And in Sacramento, you had, you know, Jokic not having his best game, still putting up numbers because he's Jokic, but not his best game. You had Jamal Murray being quiet. And so hopefully Fox can carry this scoring form forward. And he doesn't just revert back to the previous four games because, you know, it's not a TNT game. It's like, it's the last game before the All-Star break. I mean, it's a big game just because we've lost four of our last five and you really don't want to go into the All-Star break on, on that sour of a note. But anyways, that is it for this episode of The Royal Report. I will be back tomorrow night to recap the game in Denver. Peace.